Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Revelation chapter 2 verse 8 begins the account of the church at Smyrna. And it follows the same, uh, same order as the church at Ephesus. You have the greeting, you have the commendation, uh, the characterization of Christ first, and then the commendation, and then, but there's no criticism in the church of Smyrna. There's two churches that have no criticism. Smyrna's one of them. So, uh, then you have, uh, the call to the church at, uh, at Smyrna, and then, uh, the charge, and then, uh, the promise given to the church. Uh, the first is the greeting, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. All right, look back to chapter 1, verse 17, verse 18. And I saw, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, stop being afraid, I am the first and the last. What's he afraid of? What's going What's What's the impending? Death. Persecution, they're fixing to run into, uh, the, the, the church at Smyrna is threatened, uh, to, uh, to undergo, uh, the extreme penalty. Because he says, and, and that's the reason why Jesus is representing himself now to this particular church, uh, I was dead and I'm alive. In other words, what difference does it make if they kill you? That's what Jesus said, I, I was dead. But I'm alive and I'm alive forevermore. And he says, where are you? You're still in my hand, whether you live or die. See? And primitive Baptists ought to, uh, ought to preach this because uh, we believe it, say we believe it, uh, if, without even coming to the book of Revelation. And when Revelation uh, uh, designates it and points it out uh, explicitly, why we don't believe it? Then he says, I, I know... Thy works. You notice, see, again, this expression, I know, it's not a hearsay proposition. I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty, but thou art rich. Now, here's a, a group, here's a church that's, uh, that's suffering persecution and poverty. And yet, he says, you're rich. It's a whole lot better to be rich uh, with the material goods than to be rich in faith. You see that? Now that's what uh, that's what the Bible tells us. You know, James tells us about the, about being rich. See, but uh, although we're poor in this world, we're rich uh, in faith toward God. And Paul writes about making that the poor was making many rich. See. Well, now, they weren't making them rich uh, with bank accounts, 
but they made them rich in rejoicing in the blessings of God. And he says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now, I know the blasphemy. Now, that word blasphemy there is is the slander, it's the sarcasm, it's the ridicule uh, of these Jews, uh, which say they are Jews and are not. Now, they were Jews, they were Jews in the flesh, but they were Jews who claimed to be a Jew inwardly. And John is is telling them, uh, God is telling John here, that I know that the, they are some that are not Jews inwardly, see? Uh, they're of the synagogue of Satan instead. And he says, fear, uh, here's, uh, uh, notice the call, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Now what are some of those things? He's gonna, he's gonna remind them, and he's gonna tell you in the, in the last half of this verse, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now, you see, Jesus represented himself to this church as the one that was dead, is alive, and is alive forevermore. Now then, the call to this church is uh, to be faithful unto death. Don't you see? You see how each one of these uh, titles of Jesus that's represented in that vision, and that's the reason why it's so important that you... That you need to see what that, that vision, and you need to see that that vision is then in turn the same, you have the same terminology, the same characteristics of Jesus in, in Daniel 7, 9, and 13, and 14, and Daniel 10, 5, and 6. You have these same characteristics of Jesus presented there in the Old Testament. Alright, to each of the churches, they revert to the first vision of John, in chapter 1, and and there is a particular part that's adapted to the particular need of each church Jesus uses to uh, to uh, greet that church with, you see, to make himself known to them. Because that's what they're going to need. They're going to need to see Jesus as the one that was dead and alive. That's where they're going to receive their comfort. Why? Because they're exhorted to be faithful unto death. That's that was uh, always an uh, uh, immediate uh, uh, possibility and probability uh, to the churches. All right now, in uh, now the promise is given in this same verse: "Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life." Uh, now, now you notice when notice when the realization. Of these promises take place. I will give you to eat of the tree uh, the, of the tree of life that's in the midst of the paradise of God. Well, now, do you do you think anybody has, has done that yet? 
I don't mean that to have eternal life. This is talking about immortal life. Immortality. The body is not immortal, buddy. It's going, it's going to die. David prayed, Lord, make me to know how frail I am. See, a lot of people don't want to realize their frailty. They don't know that. And, 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 and David says, Lord, make me to know how frail I am. Why? That I may know how the, the measure of my days. See? Uh, and, and then Paul in 15th chapter of 1st Corinthians lets us know how frail we are when he says this old body, it's, it's, uh, sown in corruption. In other words, corruption never did have any power to it. I mean, you ain't got no strength. Man gets so, uh, uh, so rotten. Then he, then he's without strength, Paul says. And then he says it's, uh, uh, this old body is, uh, it, it, it's gonna be, uh, sown, uh, a natural body. But then he says it's raised a spiritual body. Then that's when we're gonna have an immortal body, you see. That's when this mortal puts on immortality. Paul looked for a change. He expected that change and he longed for that change. He didn't want to die and be disembodied in second, uh, second Corinthians 5. He, he, he didn't want to, uh, now, uh, the fact that he was going to be disembodied for a while, that was the fear that was, that put in Paul. It wasn't the fear that he wouldn't have a body in the resurrection. It wasn't the fear that he wouldn't be raised. But he just didn't want to face the, face the reality that there would be a time if he died that he would be unclothed. But he longed for the time when he would be clothed upon with his house which is from heaven. His house when God comes back. And he won't have that house till God comes back. Brother, you don't die. And yet people preach, some people, you heard people preach that when they die, they go to heaven and they get a body. In the meantime, they'll wear that all over heaven. And then when Christ comes back and then raises this old body, well, I don't know, they'll do away with that body uh, and then put on this body again. Now, that's not so. Paul wasn't talking about that he'd go and, and put on an immediate uh, body. But he was, uh, he was, he knew what it would be to experience the mortality of this body. And he looked for the time when uh, when he put on that immortal body. And then he said, then we'll say, oh death, where is thy string? Oh grave, where is thy victory? Why? Because he didn't have immortal body then. He's not going to die. He can look back at death and say, brother, uh, for, for me now, it's over. All right, for Christ, it was over when he came forth from the grave, you see. And that's why we'll come for we'll, why we will have immortal bodies, all right? You think he'll eat that tree of life then? Oh, yeah, well, of course, this is a, uh, it's a figure, uh, which, yeah, it's a figure of, uh, immortal, immortal life, the immortality of the body, don't you see? Uh, he already, uh, even in this body, we have now, uh, eternal life in, in that, that we have been born of God and the life of God, but, but the body hasn't been, hasn't been redeemed. And yet, the Lord purchased our bodies on the cross. See? The, the purchase price was made. He, he got, uh, as many bodies as he did spirits when he died on the cross. See? But we wait, we, uh, for the redemption of the body. See? Alright. Now, uh, in, uh, in verse, uh, 11, uh, he says, He that hath an ear, 
let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Plural again. But in verse 8, when he greets the angel of the church, he says, In verse 8, uh, when he says unto the angel, he says, plural, uh, singular, unto the church in Smyrna. Now you notice he never does say the church in Asia. You know, if, if uh, the present ecclesiology uh, that's so much taught in the world, uh, it would have been a, a lot easier for John just, for the Lord to just said right here, unto the church of Asia, and then I'd include all of these, wouldn't it? But there's no such thing as the church of Asia. See, unto the church of Asia. Unto the church of Europe. Unto the church of, uh, of any province. There's no such thing as a provincial use of the word church. There's no such thing as a national use of the word church. There's no such thing as the use of a denominational use of the church, of the word church. It's, uh, a church is used in the Bible to designate a assembly of God's people that's been called out of the world, been baptized, that's agreed to follow him, and professing love one to another and uh, uh, for the honor and glory of God. And wherever that church is, see, that's a church. And it's not subordinate, and it's not, uh, it doesn't control any other church. It never gets so big, regardless how big it gets, how rich it gets, it has no power over any other church. Not even advisory power. Now, it can advise. Any man can advise. But it possesses, it does not inherently possess power to exercise authority of any nature over another church. And that church does not even extend privileges to other churches that that church doesn't already have. There's no such thing. A church is unto the church now. Now then, and yet at the same time, when he concludes each message, he says, let he that hath, a he hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Why? Because the church at Smyrna is exactly the same in kind as we say today, it's the same in doctrine, faith, and order, faith and practice. See, there's no difference in the kinds here. There's, it's not, uh, uh, the only distinction is the places where they live. See, and uh, it's not a difference in what they believe. It's not a difference in what they're supposed to do. The same message applies to all of them. And yet, no one church can say, well, now then, if this one... Uh, you, you don't see where, uh, these other churches called on the church at Ephesus. Come over here and tell us, uh, pick out these false brethren in this church, see. You don't, you don't read about anybody getting together and, uh, designate, having a council to go over there or a committee to go over and see what's wrong with this church, see. Alright? Uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. All right? What's the first death? Well, he talked about that up here in uh, uh, 
uh, in verse 10. Be thou faithful unto death. See? Now that's the first death. That's what, uh, uh, that's what all, uh, mankind will undergo except that, uh, uh, people that's alive when Jesus comes back. See? And, um, so, now, he that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. Well, uh, this same book tells you about the second death. See? Um, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. See? Those who uh, were brought forth out of the graves, out of the sea, uh, wherever they were, and were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. We read that in uh, the concluding portions of this letter. Now, do you what? Do you want to go on to another letter? I've got about fifteen minutes. I'm going to tell you. Well, we can. Yeah, we can read that. Each letter, uh, you see now how to follow, uh, study each one of these letters. I think they're. You, you have the greetings, you have each one of them says, I know, uh, and then uh, each one uh, has a characterization of Christ. Uh, each one has uh, a criticism except two, and uh, then you have commendation. All have commendation except the Church of Laodicea, and uh, then you have a, a call to them. That's a call, that's a, a reminder of what they're uh, the thing that they need to do most, or the the thing that pertains to that particular church more so than any uh, than the other, see. And uh, then you have the uh, the charge, and then the promise. All right, we'll read the, to the church at Pergamos. Like All right, is this overcoming here? Is that uh, not necessarily so much a reward for what they're doing? As much as it is, it shows destiny. He that stays faithful, yeah, shows destiny. He will have he, he'll he'll have a crown of life. He'll have this uh, <coughs> unending body. Is that what? right? That's right. And and here, uh, he that overcomes shall not be hurt, and uh, not be not be hurt by the second death. See? <coughs> All right. Now stay the stay overcomer. Stay. Well, the overcomer is synonymous. Uh, in this sense, in the sense in which uh, John, uh, which is being used in Revelation, as a sense that John used it in First John. For John asked the same writer, uh, asked, "Who is he that overcometh?" See, uh, and he answers it by saying, "He that believeth that Jesus is the Christ, see, has overcome the world." See, now it's in that sense, but he's calling on that person. To be aware of it, see, and, uh, and that—that's what God expects, and that's what we all are supposed to be overcomers. Does not have that assurance. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, the it's—it's uh, uh, it's not a play. Now, that's what—that's—that's. Uh, that's, uh, it's very easy here to to put this on a basis of reward, see, and that the only that the person that does this. Uh, is the only person who'll be raptured. See, and that's what partial raptures do. That's what I, those men, 
uh, that are talking about. Now, like, for instance, in Hebrews, unto them that look for him shall he appear this second time without sin unto salvation. Unto them that look for him. Well, what about those not looking for him? See? Well, it's not that those that are not looking for him won't be raptured. See? It's not that those that are not looking for him, that Christ is not going to appear, because he's going to appear to all. See? But if a person is not living in the constant expectation of Christ coming again, he is certainly going to miss a lot of joys and a lot of blessings and and the total life uh, as a child of God. See? And that's what Paul, uh, John is writing here in order uh, to for... Uh, faithfulness and obedience to God even if it takes your life. See? And many is going to be to that time. He that endures to the end shall be, shall be saved. Right. Is that, is that in the that's the same, that same thing is, is, is that expression. However, that expression is used, is, has a twofold meaning. Uh, primarily and firstly to the uh, Jews that were living during the uh, destruction of Jerusalem. See? He that endures to the end shall be saved. How? Saved alive. Only the one that endures to the end will be saved alive. See, that was talking about physical life uh, uh, to the to those inhabitants. See, he warned them, and now uh, he said, "Don't come down off of the housetop, see, but to flee." All right, but I suppose he he does that for a little while, and he and he he, he sits down, he stops. See, well, he, he won't make it to Pella. He won't make it uh, to their to their safety, see. And uh, he would he would die in Jerusalem. Now, uh, it's it's uh, the the basis for this is showing the difference of a victor, all right, and and uh, and and a man that just uh, just don't care. Well, a man that just don't care will never have the assurance of the man that overcomes. Oh, no, that's right. He, he won't even have the assurance that, that, that he's, uh, a child of God. Might not be if he... Yeah, and, 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 uh, and, uh, and, and that's the purpose of this, is to ridicule, is to point out, and this will, uh, and many of the charges, many of the commands, many of the exhortations in the Bible is for self-judgment and for self, uh, uh condemnation and revelation. To see who the what what the man is. See. I understand that, man. That's good. All right, then. Uh, well, we'll uh, we'll uh, go over the church at Pergamos in the same order. Uh, now, to those that uh, uh, interpret the Book of Revelation on the on the dispensational from a dispensational standpoint, say we're living. This is a period uh, when the uh, uh, when. Uh, Romanism, uh, Constantine started capturing the world, see, and was under the uh, domination of uh, when the church has just settled down into the world. Uh, all right. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos. Now, now notice uh, uh, in... Uh, in the in the first letter, uh, it's unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. In the church, in the message to Smyrna, it's to the angel of the church in Smyrna, and here in Pergamos now, uh, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos. Right, these things saith he, which hath the sharp sword with the two edges. 
All right, now, if you uh, remember what we said uh, and, uh, in the first two letters about the characterization of Christ, well, what are we going to read about now? See, we can just take the character, we can take the title that Christ used to introduce himself to this church, and we could get the message of that church. Don't you see how important that vision is? And, uh, uh, all right, it says, uh, uh, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with the two edges. All right, that's in verse 16, isn't it? Chapter 1, verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Out of his mouth. All right. Uh, I know by works, same as in the other two churches, and where thou dwellest. Uh, it seems that this church was pretty well settled, all right. That they were, uh, 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 that, uh, they weren't disturbed about anything, you see. They're dwelling. They're abiding. Uh, even, but where now? Even where Satan's seat, Satan's throne is. Alright, Pergamos, this city was the capital of Asia Minor. Uh, it, uh, it, uh, <clears throat> had the, the, the little sub-throne from Rome, you see, came over, and they had their, that's where they had their seat. But now, Paul, uh, John, uh, is writing here, the Lord is, is telling him that this is Satan's throne, this, boy, this is a hotbed. This is a center. This is San Francisco. See? And, uh, when, when they've all gone, uh, from somewhere else, uh, this is a, t- uh, this is the total. This is the end. Alright? Uh, and thou holdest fast, I know, I know thy works, uh, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, or throne, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things. Now, uh, you see that Antipas uh, was put to death because of his testimony uh, to the Lord, uh, for the Lord, his faithfulness, you see. He was his faithful martyr who was slain among you and where Satan dwelleth, that is, uh, Satan's on the rampage. But I have a few things against thee. Now, you know, that's pretty that's good when a man... Where Satan's on the rampage. Yeah, 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 that's, uh, see. Uh, but I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. To eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also 
them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Which thing I hate. You see, now this church at Pergamos now, up there in the capital, boy, they're plagued with uh, the Nicolaitans and uh, the Balaamites. And this, uh, the word Balaam in Hebrew, they tell us, and the word Nicolaitans in Greek, both mean to domineer over the people or to rule over the people or to exercise uh, authority, uh, forceful uh, authority by force uh, over the people. See? And uh, so thou hast also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Repent. Now here's a call to them. Uh, Repent or else I will come unto thee quickly. And will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now you see why the Lord Jesus up and introduces himself to the church. To the uh, says these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with the two edges. That sharp sword now over here in verse nine uh, is is going to is going to be sheathed. It's going to be. Uh, pulled out of the sword, so to speak. And he says that he will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. That's the word of God. That's all it takes. That's all it takes to, that's all it took for the Lord Jesus to, to put the great enemy that came that night in Garden of Gethsemane, you know, when the Romans came, uh, a legion of them came to, uh, uh, arrest him. And, uh, Jesus went forth and said, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And brother, they just helplessly, they fell to the ground. They were completely paralyzed. That's all he said. That was the sword of his mouth. He used it as a sword. Now, we uh, call attention over there with reference to the voice. The, the voice of Christ, like uh, the voice of many waters. All right, now, the Bible says, that every, uh, it says My sheep hear my voice. You see uh, how that word voice is used there? Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.